reading of the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Psalms our Father David the prophet and the king may his blessings be upon us all for you O God have heard my vows you have given me the heritage of those who fear your name so I will sing praise to your name forever that I may daily perform my Savior, King of us all, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, to be the glory forever. Amen. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw, and all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the Son of David? Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter in a strong man's house? and plunder his goods. Unless he first binds a strong man, then he will plunder his house. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word man may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned.
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We're now in the third week after the Pentecost, and I, after, I said after, uh, a few weeks ago, I said, our mother, the Church, puts the focus of the readings of this month all on the Holy Spirit. So today we see a statement by our Lord Jesus Christ that always brings up a lot of questions. When He says, Therefore I say to you, every sin, every blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven men. Sometimes we read this and we think to ourselves, you know, we get very worried. There's a sin that won't be forgiven. Have I committed this sin? What do I do? How can I fix it? Christ is saying I can't fix it. Why is this sin worse than other sins? And we start to be worried. First of all, it's good to think about a part of this that maybe not, might not get too much of your attention. The fact that our Lord Jesus Christ says, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men. Why does this particular sentence that our Lord Jesus Christ spoke sort of cause us to hesitate? Because God says, there's a sin that I'm not going to forgive. We take for granted, at least those of us who have lived our entire lives as Christians, that of course God will forgive my sins. That's what He always does as long as I go back to Him. But actually this forgiveness of sins is something that is a unique gift and consequence of the incarnation, the life, the death, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. For example, Jewish people in the Old Testament did not think this way. Sin against God brought guilt. And with this guilt came divine judgment. So sin was often, it was thought to be like the underlying reason of catastrophe. So if a person uh, experienced something bad in their life, being born blind, for example, a very famous example, it was assumed that someone's sin caused it. That's why the disciples asked that question, who sinned? So this man was born blind. Or when the tower in Siloam fell upon the 18 men and it killed them, it was assumed that those people must have been more wicked or worse sinners than others for them to have something like that happen to them. Sometimes sin and judgment are in fact intertwined. That's why Christ said to the paralytic, sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you. But this intertwining of sin and, 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 and consequence or cause and effect cannot be assumed every time. But nevertheless, my point is sin and judgment, because sin and judgment were often thought to go together, the devout people in the Old Testament were careful to repent of their sins and pray to God to ask for His forgiveness, but this forgiveness in their mind was not guaranteed. As a Jewish person living in the Old Testament, you received forgiveness how? Through the offering of the sacrifices in the temple, by giving alms to the poor, and through praying long and fervently for forgiveness. But the assurance of the forgiveness of their sins was not a given in advance. The person did their best and hoped that God would be merciful. But there were no guarantees. And God actually sometimes went on the record and said, I will not forgive this sin. For example, Eli, the high priest who was not restraining his children and they were abusing the priestly office. God said, and therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So we should be thankful and rejoice that through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have an assurance of forgiveness when we repent. So why does Christ set 
blasphemy against the Holy Spirit as this unforgivable sin. If we broaden our thinking a little bit and consider that it is in fact the Holy Spirit that the Lord promises is going to do the work of drawing the people to Christ. The Holy Spirit will be the voice that whispers in our souls that we're on the wrong path. The Holy Spirit is the one who is leading Christ's church into truth. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is the one is going, that He is going to empower the people of God to carry out the mission that our Lord Jesus Christ set for His apostles and their disciples after them on the earth. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential to our very lives as if we're going to be serious Orthodox Christians. So His intimate and His active presence in our life has to be cultivated, has to be depended on if we're going to be really serious about practicing Orthodox faith. So to denigrate the Holy Spirit, to dismiss the Holy Spirit, to insult the Holy Spirit, reveals a person whose heart is closed off by his or her own choice to the leading of the Holy Spirit. It isn't that this or that action makes God so angry that He's not going to forgive you. That, that's an incorrect notion that makes my behavior stronger than God's love. This isn't possible. But God loves me so much that He chooses out of His freedom to not violate my own will and force me to return to Him. So a heart that is full of hatred or contempt for the work of the Holy Spirit is simply refusing the forgiveness offered and places themselves in an unforgivable place. The sentence of death, the sentence of non-forgiveness is always self-imposed. St. John Christopher, when he's talking about this verse, when he's talking about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, he says, the reason blasphemy against the Son of Man could be forgiven, but not the Holy Spirit, was that the people did not have the full knowledge of Christ. They knew the Holy Spirit. They knew that He dwelt in the prophets, in the holy men and women, the people who wrote Scripture. So the sin was willful, rather than it being in ignorance. St. John Chrysostom was saying, God is willing to forgive the people who could not understand Christ if He would come back, if they would come back. Because they don't know Christ. It's a sin of ignorance. But they know the Holy Spirit. St. Cyril of Alexandria says that blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, sometimes we look at this and say, why did Christ say, if you blaspheme against the Son of Man, it's okay, it will be forgiven, but the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. St. Cyril of Alexandria says, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is in fact blasphemy against the Holy Trinity. Because not acknowledging the work or power of one person of the Holy Trinity denies them all. So we can agree that blaspheming the Holy Spirit does not mean just accidentally saying something bad about the Holy Spirit or committing a particular sin. But rather it's the continual, willful disobedience of God. I'm sure actually you've heard this many times in sermons. And then I think, if you're like me, the feeling you start to think is, okay, well that's not so bad. I don't think that I do that, so I'm probably okay. Well, there's another aspect of this that I want to highlight that sometimes gets lost in discussion about this verse. Typically, like I was saying in the beginning, we hear this verse and we get very scared that maybe I've committed this sin, this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. 
then I get reassured that blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is not just something you say, it's much greater than that, and we sort of move on with our lives. I would like for all of us to sort of consider one particular thing. I mentioned earlier that one aspect of blaspheming the Holy Spirit is willful disobedience to Him. In plain English, on purpose, just doing what you want instead of doing what you know God wants you to do. Listen to what St. Paul says in Hebrews. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much more worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. What is St. Paul saying here? He's saying there is an expectation of judgment if we fall back into sins after we have repented of them. What does that mean? Does this mean that repentance is not available to me more than once? Of course not. Christ himself, he said, if someone sins against you and they ask for forgiveness, we have to forgive them 70 times 7. So the door of repentance is always open. However, what he is saying here is that there's a stricter judgment for those who have sinned following repentance. So I should take stock of my life. How many times have I come to God and told Him, I hate this sin and I want it removed from my life? But now the Gospel says to us, bear fruits worthy of repentance. St. Basil the Great, he says, If he who has been corrected for his first sins and has been deemed worthy of pardon again falls, he prepares for himself a more wrathful judgment. We have to take our repentance seriously. I'm not talking here about trying and falling. We're all human. We all have failures. What I'm talking about is deliberately, deliberately disobeying God in order to do what I think is right. Forgoing what I know to be the commandments of God because I want to follow my own commands. Christ tells us, to whom much is given, much will be required. We will need to give an account for ourselves when we knowingly and willingly refuse to remove sin despite knowing better. St. Paul is not the only one who gives us this warning. St. Peter from the same epistle that we read this morning says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, he's talking to people who now become Christians, he's talking to people like us, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it 
to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having washed in her wallowing in the mire. Listen to the words of the Holy Spirit written by St. Peter. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandments delivered to them. We need these words to sink deeply into our hearts, into our minds. We need to offer true repentance to God, to reject sin completely, to take out from our lives the things that are keeping us captive. But even though we've talked a lot about judgment, about the wrath of God, and about how He's going to punish the obstinate, the stubborn, want to end the meditation thinking about something that should bring us comfort. The same Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that we should be afraid of blaspheming, He is the one who will restore us. He is the one who will give us the ability to remain free from sin. Today, if I am aware and open to the active and intimate presence of God in my life, He will not forsake us. He will allow you to cultivate a sensitivity to His love, to His guidance, to His wisdom, to His affection in your daily life. All of the rhythm of our faith, the disciplines of the church, her prayers, her liturgies, are all meant to increase our sensitivity and cooperation with the constant work of the Holy Spirit, to transform you into someone who is like Christ. Only this work is going to adequately prepare us to enjoy God's presence forever. Only in this active and free choice made by a willing heart, we will be able to provide our souls with the peace and the grace to be what we were created to be. So as we reflect on these verses today, I should ask myself, am I blaspheming the Holy Spirit? Am I in willful disobedience of Him? Do I half-heartedly repent from sins? And I ask God, I ask the Holy Spirit to cleanse me, to renew me, so that I can offer true repentance for the glory of His name. And glory be to our God forever and ever. Amen.